0: Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover
1: It with Teddy Covers.
0: Happy Sunday and welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM channel 204, the Sports Grid radio network. Over the course of the next hour, and this is the fastest hour in radio. It really is. It's going to fly by. We're going to spend extended time talking with Rob Vino, at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. Breaking down the NFL. And it's not just about today's games. It's about how to handicap the NFL. It's about what do we do with hot teams early in the season versus cold teams early in the season. Where do we find value? We're going to talk totals. We're going to do a lot with Rob Vino when it comes to breaking down the nuances of NFL betting later in the show. But I want to open talking about running backs. And maybe this is my pet peeve. Sure, I got pet peeves. Christian McCaffrey got hurt on Thursday night. And I, again, reading the reports. (laughs) The Panthers' season is ruined. Their running back got hurt. You know what Christian McCaffrey's worth to the point spread? My argument is zero. There are a couple people who said he might be worth half a point. All right. Starting quarterback gets hurt? It matters. A lot. Backup quarterback gets hurt. It might even matter more. The drop-offs between the backups and the third stringers can be enormous in the NFL. When it comes to the running back position, and look, let's talk about Carolina in particular. All right? McCaffrey is their stud. Stud running back. Why is he a stud running back? He's a stud running back because they don't have running back depth, and they haven't. So he plays all three downs. He's a stud running back because he gets the third down catches as well as the carries. And that's what makes someone... The stud running back. So, who's behind him? Well, if you don't follow college football, you never heard him. (laughs) You know, uh, Chuba Hubbard is behind him. And, oh, by the way, Chuba Hubbard is a stud. And when Chuba Hubbard came in the game, after Christian McCaffrey got hurt, what happened to Carolina's offense? Did it look dramatically different? It did not. This is a rookie running back, not a first stringer either, a rookie running back taking over from a pro bowler. And the offense looked exactly different the same. And people are like, oh yeah, but McCaffrey, well what about um, Derrick Henry? Make a case that Derrick Henry is the single most valuable back in the NFL, and I'm not going to argue with that. Alright, he probably is the single most valuable back in the NFL. And behind Derrick Henry is two guys, and again, Jeremy McNichols, the kid out of Boise State who nobody's heard of at the NFL level, and Meckey Sargent who is another guy that you know, he played for Iowa. He's a rookie. He's not anyone that is well known at the NFL level. And sure, Henry, if you give him 30 carries a game, eventually he's going to wear down a defense. That's what happened against uh, Seattle last week. If you gave McNichols 30 carries, would he wear down a defense too? Possibly. If you gave Sargent 30 carries, would he wear down a defense too? Possibly. If you give both of them 15 carries, will one of them be fresh in the fourth quarter without putting up any of these big stats? Quite possibly. <laughs> Maybe Derrick Henry's worth half point. Let's talk Saquon Barkley. Remember all the big deals. Saquon Barkley, when he comes back, oh, the Giants are going to be a whole different offense. Again, Saquon Barkley, a guy who was taken at the top of the first round. He is an impact player. He's going to make your team better. He's going to get you quick strike touchdowns. Has he done any of that in his career with the Giants? No, he hasn't. <laughs> Has he come close? No, he hasn't. You know, and again, he's averaging 3.6 yards per carry this year. All right. This is the stud, the can't miss, the number two overall pick. As a rookie, he was pretty good. He gained five yards a carry. He hasn't approached that since. 4.6 yards the next year. Last year, he barely played. And then this year, he's at 3.6. Does Saquon Barkley matter to a point spread? No. Not even close. Are the Giants as good a team when he's not on the field? Maybe not. Maybe they're a little bit worse. But quantifiably worse? No. At the NFL level, now this is not the case in college football. In college football, you find a stud running back And the talent level between the stud running back and his backup is enormous. Not the NFL level. Look at the Cowboys, all right? Who's getting the carries now? It's not Zeke. Uh, Yeah, he's getting some of them. He's splitting carries with Troy Pollard. Why? Well, they want to keep Zeke fresh, sure. That's some of it. (laughs) The other factor is that Zeke isn't that much better than his backup. Zeke makes all the money in Dallas. Le'Veon Bell. Should I go on? <laughs> you know, I mean, you think about the Le'Veon. Oh, I want to get paid in Pittsburgh. Okay. The Steelers are smart. We're not going to pay this guy. All right. Well, I'm going to pay for the Jets. What happens when he goes to the Jets? He stinks. One running back. And of course, since everywhere that he's been, what do you, you know, where, in uh, Kansas City. All right. Great. Not an impact player. Not anyone who's going to affect a point spread. And that's across the board in the NFL. There is no point spread differential from one runner back to the next. Dalvin Cook's banged up great. I mean, I don't mean great, but I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, they're the same. <laughs> and what we've seen over the course of the last year, as sports betting has gotten more and more prevalent, as we've seen more and more states legalize it, we're getting more and more mainstream media trying to analyze games from a points spread perspective, which in my mind is very problematic because, A, they're not betters, and, B, they're most assuredly not winning betters, and, C, they're not giving anyone good advice. But their editor said, oh, we need this. <laughs> Give me a thousand words. <laughs> Go for it. And that's the type of info you'll find. And what you're seeing is a lot of talk about running backs. And this running back matters, and that running back matters, and the other running back matters, and I'm telling you. right? But look at San Fran. All right? They've had every running back gets hurt. What's Elijah Mitchell doing? Oh, he's averaging 4.1 yards a carry. And <laughs> he's got a buck 46 on the ground already. Running backs don't matter. That's all I have to say about that. Rob Vino. Come on.
1: Oh, yeah, man Maybe I must
0: do that. Welcome back, Cover It with Teddy Covers. And look, there's nothing like being informed with all the odds, analysis, and best bets all day long. How do you get that? It's real simple. Follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid and at SportsGridTV. You can follow me on Twitter, at Teddy underscore covers. And you can follow our guest today on the NFL podcast, at rob vino sports mr vino i haven't talked to you here since the summertime how are you doing how's the start of your football season um happy sunday to you
1: Happy sunday to you and you know teddy um in response to when you uh asked me to be on the show this week i responded by i thought you'd never asked so it's been a while for the two of us to um back up again but glad to be here thanks for having me and good to dig into some NFL today
0: absolutely yeah and uh, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the NFL as we enter week three of the National Football League but I want to start I like talking broad picture this is not a pick show it's never going to be a pick show this is a show that's supposed to teach you how to fish (laughs) and not give you fish to eat So we will, and Rob's going to give us a free play at the end of the show. I'm going to give you a free opinion uh, for the NFL today at the end of the uh, show. But when we start out, I want to talk about the betting marketplace. What's different about the betting marketplace, let's say, over the last five years compared to the last 50? What are the nuances of 2021 compared to the last decade? Uh, You're someone that's been doing this. You know, you were doing this full-time when I moved to Vegas in 1998. So you've been doing it basically your
1: whole adult life. How have things changed? Yeah, Teddy, I would say the biggest change that I've seen is the widespread number of different offerings that we get nowadays. I mean, I, I began um, professionally in this business in 1991 when, you know, you were betting sides and totals, period, end of story, sides and totals, and that really didn't change for a long time. And I have to tell you, it was more sides than it was even totals at that time. But now, I think you could go to your online business sportsbook right now as we speak and you could select any game and you're going to find about 65 to 85 options of ways you can play that game that just didn't exist and that really has exploded recently right within the last five six years that explosion has happened to where people are becoming so um i don't want to call it pigeonholed, but so sophisticated and we work with guys like this every day that can single out Team totals as their, um, as their point of emphasis. Team, guys that can do halftime betting. We've seen a big switch in Major League Baseball to where people bet first halves far more than they do full game. And it's all because there's so many different things offered to us. It's almost like, you know, the prop sheet for the Super Bowl used to be, um, you know, once a year. And it's almost like props are becoming the norm. In the betting world now, you have in-game betting, which is widely available right now. I mean, if you wanted to stretch it to college football, FCS versus FCS team betting, universally available, sides in, totals. I think, again, the betting styles have changed because people have so much more to choose from that they focus on different areas now. And I had never heard the phrase, Teddy, to tell you the truth, until maybe a year and a half ago of pre-flop betting. But free-flop betting basically is a creation made by in-game. It's guys who will take the full-game spread, put a percentage of their bet on that, and then use the rest of that wager to go about it in-game style. So there's a bunch of things that have changed. But to me, it's just the widespread offerings that are available, the options of things you can bet on for each individual game. That is just crazy to me at this point in time.
0: Sure. And of all of those, the one that I think is the most attractive to me is the NFL single-team totals. Where you're just saying, is this team going to score more than 20 and a half points this week? Yes or no? Um, because I love the options where that's all you get. You know, it's not who's going to score the first touchdown. you got to pick out a, you know, a list of 20 guys. It's one team. How many points are they going to score? Uh, and in my mind, that's one of the best new offerings that simply wasn't available here in Vegas or just about anywhere else when we started in this business 20 years ago. And frankly... You didn't find team totals widely available even five years ago. That's something that's different. Rob, when it comes to, and again, rules are always made to be broken. All right. And we have a wide variety of listeners on this show. We have uh, experienced bettors who want our analysis. We have some emerging bettors who are just trying to refine their craft. And we have plenty of beginning bettors, the newbies, who are just learning how to bet and beat the NFL. So, Give me some rules. Give me your top three rules for beginning NFL betters. And I know full well that rules are made to be broken. we got just a couple of minutes before the break, so if you need more time, we can go after. But let's go quick. Give me three quick rules.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll preface it by saying this, Teddy. When I did this, um, I, I actually wrote a note to myself that this group has evolved. So as you say, they're often made to be broken. But I would say this, the the number one staple that always will never change has got to be discipline for beginning bettors. You have to have money management. And I would think along under that discipline guideline comes don't play excess or extra bets of significance just for the sake of playing games. Stick to the ones that you legitimately like. Be disciplined with your money. That would be rule one. I would say rule two, as I evolve here over 29 years, would be try to focus in. If you're a young better, if you're a beginner better, focus in on a specific area while you gain experience on the entire sports betting world. Um, try to pick out a conference in college basketball, pick out a conference in college football, and zero in. And from there, as you go on, as the years go by, uh, you learn about the rest of it, and you can become a more widespread bidder. But I think focusing in on one area that you generally have interest in is really good. And I would say the third one, Teddy, and this one cropped up, up in my mind, I think it's one of the most important, is keep your own power ratings. Um, I've been doing it for 29 years, and you have to understand how to adjust what you're doing with power ratings. Know what you're using them for. They're a ground-line criteria. Um, to help keep your eyes from straying and forcing you into bets you wouldn't normally make. And just uh, figure out what you want to do with your numbers. Do you want to compare them to oddsmakers' numbers and then counterpunch, or do you just want to blindly bet your numbers? There's guys that fill both of those parties, but I think establishing your own power ratings to keep you grounded should be one of the three rules for any beginning bettor.
0: And that's a really good point. And, of course, I get a lot of questions about how to start doing power ratings, so I'm going to go for a minute here. And explain exactly how I started. When I started making my own power ratings, I found three other sources uh, at the beginning of the season. I think, uh, I don't even remember. I used gold sheet numbers. I used, I don't remember the other two. I really don't. I used Kenny White's numbers. Or you can, it's not hard to find decent, bettable power rating numbers on the internet. I recommend gold sheet because I know their numbers are good. Uh, you can certainly find several sets. So I, I got the three sets of numbers and I just normalized them. So it became one set. So I'm taking somebody else's ratings or a group of other ratings and just normalizing them together so I get one set. And from that moment, you just start adjusting. You start adjusting every week. <laughs> you adjust off the box score results. You adjust off the eye tests. You adjust, adjust off the injury information. The first year you're doing it and the first year I did it, hey, your, your, your power rings aren't worth that much. But by the end of the year, if you do it, and again, you have to do it religiously. You know that, Rob. <laughs> you, know, you know, you can't say, oh, I'm, I'm not gonna look at my power ratings, I'm not gonna update them. You have to do it like it's a business. But if you put the time into your power ratings for one year, at the end of the year, you'll have workable numbers to start for the offseason, and by the next year, you can actually use those numbers and make money on them betting. Uh, in my opinion, that is the best way to start college football power ratings. You agree with our NFL. Uh, and really, you know, I mean, I want to focus on NFL for this show because that's what we're talking about today. Uh, but, Rob, 30 seconds. Um, let me know. it. Is that a, agree or disagree on how to start doing college, uh, NFL
1: power ratings? I totally agree because it's how I started, Teddy. Somebody else's numbers just turned them into my own numbers. And I think the biggest thing that people may have trouble with, you have to learn. You have to know how to adjust these things. I think when you begin, you over adjust too much. Um, it comes with time, but I definitely agree with everything he said.
0: More with Rob Vino coming up. Covering continues right here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the sports grid. Rob. Here on Coverage with Teddy Coverage. We're talking with uh, Rob Vino at Rob Vino Sports uh, on Twitter. Rob uh, is a guy who's been doing this for the better part of the last 30 years. And Rob, I want to do a. Here's your essay compare and contrast NFL betting versus college football betting. Talk about the difference between the two. And I know they're both quote unquote football, (laughs) but is it two completely different sports that you're betting on, NFL and college?
1: Uh, You know, in some cases it is Teddy. uh, The majority of it, I don't feel like it is. But I will say a couple of things here. The the parity that exists in the NFL doesn't exist in college football. So that in itself makes them two different betting entities. Um, You're definitely confronted with more randomness in college football than you are in pro football. And I think to tell you the truth, some things have changed. Uh, where where my line of thinking is concerned in that NFL, to me, is so much more situational than college football is nowadays. College football used to be a sport where um, old adages, old situations used to be used religiously and they cashed tickets religiously. But a lot of that stuff has gone by the wayside now. I think with the openness of the game, With the point production in the game now, a lot of that stuff has disappeared. But some of the stuff and uh, labels that we placed on games in the 90s and into the early 2000s, they just don't exist anymore. So I think college football, for me, is more of a fundamental process now with situational as the second most important ingredient. And in the NFL, I just think situation is really, really the number one thing there. I probably situationally handicap NFL more than fundamental at this point in time. Just to give a quick example so that I just don't use words and people don't even understand what I'm saying, but situational would be a case like last week with New England and the Jets. Um, And and I guess there's a fundamental aspect that applies in that game too. But the point being, New England, in, in pro football, you can separate your games this way. The most important are divisional. The second most important are conference. The third most important are non-conference. That's how these teams view these games. New England comes off a season opener, a home game, inside the division where they lose to Miami. And they follow it up the next week with a divisional game on the road against the New York Jets. Now, divisional games are such a premium for teams that want to make the playoffs and they decide tiebreakers at the end of the year. So where New England was concerned last week, right away, the situational handicap for me is, you know, as long as that line is in a fairly decent place, the odds maker's given me a fair number, I have to play New England because there's just, in my mind, situationally, no way they can blow two divisional games consecutively. That's an example of situational betting. Nothing. There were fundamentals you could have added into that. Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback, so on down the line. But for me, NFL starts that way: situational angles first, fundamentals second. I think it's the reverse in college football for me. So to me, that would be the biggest difference. Otherwise, there, you know, the breakdowns and the analysis and that stuff—it's all kind of the same for me. So, uh, but
0: so Ralph Michaels gave me some really good data this week. Ralph Michaels been on the show. Uh, before he's someone that does a lot of statistical profile. Here's a, This was fascinating, and that's why I wanted to ask about college football versus the NFL. College teams that average less, 10 points per game or less, after the first two weeks of the season, they're like a 30% point spread proposition their next game. NFL teams that average 10 points per game or less after the first couple weeks, they're 70% ATS in Week 3. By the way, the Jets and the Dolphins both fall into that role this week. When it comes to those type of data points, you know the teams that are struggling in college football versus the teams that struggle in the NFL, it certainly speaks to your. In the NFL, any team can beat any team on any given Sunday, whereas in college football, you know Alabama's not losing a Grambling State. They might play a hundred times, you know, or a thousand times. Um, Talk about that when that particular trend. The teams that struggle early in college continue to struggle against the spread. In the NFL, the teams that are bad early oftentimes offer value.
1: Yeah, so for me, again, I'm speaking from my own personal viewpoint here, Teddy. And when I'm presented with a number like that, and I was on a show with Ralph this week when he presented that number, um, first off for me, because I'm not a big angle player and I'm not a big trend player, I have to believe that there's some type of usefulness for the angle or else. To me, you know, it's just not worth it. Sometimes it can be a product of just time-proven randomness, if you know what I mean. Those angles can just be something that exists for a long time randomly. There's very, very little in sports betting, for those that are new to it, that doesn't come with a host of logical variables attached to it, right? I mean, you can take these numbers and then you start looking in deeper into those numbers and you start attaching variables who played, who didn't play, who was the coach, who wasn't the coach, blah, 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 I'm down the line. So a lot of times those numbers are not useful to me. In this particular case, I wouldn't use either one of those numbers that were given by Ralph as a single reason or a main reason to bet a game um, where they apply this weekend. I know there's certain examples where they apply this weekend. All that being said, I'm probably more inclined to put some credence in the NFL angle. Only because, as I stated before, because of the parity, and with the parity, you expect a higher level of parity that, it, when it exists, to you know come back and come back to the norm, come back to the mean, so to speak. And in the NFL, if you're doing something miserably for two weeks in a row, because the talent base in the NFL is so evenly matched, um, you expect something to come back to normal again. In college, it doesn't always work that way. In college, the disparity probably turned to the other way against it, and things could recur on and on and on or against the angle that Ralph has presented here. So for me, I would, again, I wouldn't bet a game off of either one of these angles solely, but I would put more credence into the number that's attached to the NFL games just because the variance is so much less than the variance is in college football. And
0: I'm with you in the, the thought process that I'm never blindly making a bet based on an angle or trend. Never. Uh, I mean, never. <laughs> Even Belichick against a rookie quarterback, I'm not going to blindly make that bet without some additional rationale behind it. The trend itself, not good enough. That being said, NFL teams that have struggled offensively early in the season have Tended to be good bets in week three, and you make one other really important point, Rob, that I want to highlight. You talked about if you look for if you look for trends, you're going to find them. All right, and that's the truth. The question is whether they have any predictive element moving forward. You're going to find any database is going to spit out trend after trend after trend, angle after angle after angle, but. If they're not predictive moving forward, they're just going to waste your time. I want to talk about totals here as opposed to sides in the NFL. We've got just a couple of minutes uh, before the break, Rob. And I know you've focused more on NFL totals than NFL sides in recent years. Tell us why. Uh, Talk about team totals as opposed to full game totals. um, And tell us why your focus has kind of shifted in that direction over the course uh, of the last five to
1: ten years. Yeah, this this particular story could go on, Teddy. I'll give your Reader's Digest version. I mean, you're probably unaware, but you were with me as part of the original sports memo. I think back in around 2004, um, you know, the CEO of that company at the time, a guy we both knew, Tim Trucial, came to me and said, listen, we got a bunch of guys. In this company, that all pick sides. I got nobody picking totals. It was mandated to me, Teddy. At that point, I'm gonna. I need two to play totals, and it forced me to change the way I looked at games. That's 17 years ago, right? Um, but I did it because, and and again, I talked about this earlier. Sides were really the thing that everybody played. Full game sides. I mean, what what we're blessed with to be able to bet on now is outrageously more than what people used to bet on any given day. Um, and so as not to go over the time limit here for this segment, I'm just going to say that it was mandated to me. It changed the way I look at games. When I see a card on a college football Saturday or an NFL football Sunday, I don't look at point spread. My eyes are immediately attracted to totals. And within that, to even dig in even further, um, I tend to look for games to go over. I mean, I'm trying to sort through the card. If it's a 16-game NFL card, I'm trying to sort through the five or six that I really think have an opportunity to get over because over the years, it's been what I do best. So it was mandated to me. I kind of refined the ability to do so, and it's come to the point where I'm mostly an over player to the point where I was on another show today and somebody in the audience um, texted in, Rob Vino sniffs out over. So people who listen to me enough to know that that's what I'm doing but that's how it started, buddy. It was innocent enough. It wasn't really a conscious choice. Sure, and uh, I mean, when it comes to certainly from
0: a, a viewer standpoint, all right. I'm someone that watches games. All right, I watch games every night during basketball season. I watch games all weekend long from nine in the morning, usually, uh, till close to midnight uh, here on the left coast uh, on Saturdays. And I come wake up on Sunday morning and do it again. So I'm getting a lot of my analysis from the visual uh, side. Uh, of the equation Uh, but Rob, I don't think that there's any question about it (laughs) You know, um, when it comes to betting unders versus overs overs are so much more enjoyable (laughs) to bet on and watch and again, I had the under on Thursday night between Carolina and Houston and I didn't turn that game on until I knew it had already cashed. (laughs) There you have it we'll be right back, more with Rob Vino coming up (laughs)
2: Working to find what a way to make living,
0: living. Getting by. Stay on the grid all day, even when you're not tuned in by following us on Twitter at SportsGrid and at SportsGridTV. You can follow me on Twitter at Kenny underscore covers. You can follow Rob Vino on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports. And Rob, we're deep into NFL discussion right here. And now I want to ask you moving forward, this is not specific to week three, all right? But I want to ask you, this is the time of the year where already we're starting to see teams get undervalued or overvalued based on some early season results. Right now, two weeks in, is there a team or two that you see is undervalued compared to your powering numbers in the betting markets?
1: Yeah, in fact, and they both come from the same division, ironically enough, Teddy. I would start with the Miami Dolphins. I think um, they're undervalued at this point in time, and a lot of that has to do, obviously, with the quarterback change, right? But I don't have a significant difference between Tua Tagovailoa and Jacoby Brissett. In fact, I won't say Jacoby Brissett is better for the team, but I will say that in my estimation he's every bit the equal the power rating suggests to me that miami right now being undervalued and you said not necessarily to do with this upcoming week Uh, but i think that that does apply to this upcoming week the other side i see you know this is going to be an interesting one teddy because a lot of people will say well what do you mean they're undervalued but the second team on my list here is the buffalo bills and i look at the way they're priced by oddsmakers as we speak. And they're just not priced the same way as the top-tier teams in the NFL right now. I don't know if that's a – I don't know if there's a reason for it at this point in time or if the oddsmakers have a power rating lesser on Buffalo than I do. But I consider Buffalo to be one of the five best teams in the NFL. And as I look at the price on their game here in Week 3 – it just doesn't seem to uh, add up to what I have. So I think Buffalo is undervalued at this point in time and should be a valued team. Those two I would pick. Both come from the AFC East, ironically enough.
0: Yeah, So, and, and they're both interesting teams to talk about. Because, like, for example, this week my pow- my pure powering number for the Bills uh, against the Washington football team is sitting at 10 uh, with the marketplace sitting at 7 and yet I uh, wasn't inclined to rush to the window to bet Buffalo, just because I'm not, you know, when you think of the Bills, you want them in a, let's lay less than a touchdown, or let's lay a touchdown with Buffalo, as opposed to, and now this is the team that we want to lay uh, more than two scores with. Now, Miami has a dismal looking statistical profile after two weeks. And I'm going to ask you about stats after we talk about teams, uh, but the Dolphins, from a statistical profile place, that's a team that has the potential to offer real value for their backers if they're any good this year. Um, offensive line wise, the Dolphins have been rough early on, and I'm gonna, i like agreeing with you, Rob, but this is what I'm gonna disagree with you on. And I don't know why no one likes Tua. All right, the Dolphins' offense with Tua behind center is explosive. The Dolphins' offense with Jacoby Brissett behind center is the Ham and Egger kind of offense. You know I don't know if they're going to get shut out this week the way they did last week, but I think there is a significant drop off between the starter and the backup in Miami. The markets and Rob Vino don't agree with me. Let's talk about teams that are overvalued right now. Teams that maybe uh, got off to a little bit too hot a start, or maybe they faced all the right opponents. Certainly, I'm super disappointed that the Carolina Panthers have started. Even though I have an over, I got Carolina over seven and a half wins. Uh, as a season-long bet on the Panthers, the fact that they're three and zero right now and three wins and covers it concerns me because I'm looking at Carolina like, yeah, the time to back them may have come and gone. They might be an overvalued commodity moving forward. Anyone like Carolina on your list as an overvalued commodity this early in the season?
1: Yeah, well, Carolina's on the list. That's for sure, Teddy. So I'm glad you brought them up. Um, you know, and the injury concerns obviously off of the Thursday night game help to add to that um, potential overvalued spot with the Panthers. But the other team, again, might be a surprise to people because I know people like this team to start the year and feel like they have a lot of upside. But to me, overvalued presently are the Washington Redskins. And I'm going to say that from this fundamental angle. The Washington Redskins are a team that when you ask anybody that bets games or that follows the NFL, number one strength of the Washington Redskins, they're immediately going to come back at you with defensive line, pass rush. That's their strength. Only that after two games, that pass rush has been dismal. At best, it ranks 26th in the NFL right now analytically. And, again, a lot of times the analytics people – use stuff that we don't quite understand. So throwing 26th ranking out there um, it sometimes could be a little bit misleading, perhaps. But I think if you've watched Washington through two games, you're not necessarily sold that this pass rush is what you saw last year and that it's what you expect. And when you combine that, this is the worst combination in football anymore, Teddy. Lack of pass rush and lack of pass coverage. You put those two together and you're in a heap of trouble. And for Washington right now, their pass coverage, they're allowing almost 72% completions on the year. Um, those two go hand in hand. It's a bad fit. I think Washington right now is overvalued. And it's interesting that when I went through my list here, I came up with Buffalo as undervalued, Washington as overvalued. And as you said, my power rating too makes Buffalo a much heavier favorite over Washington in today's game than um you know, the odds makers believe. So I think my ratings all, you know, A A plus B does equal C where I'm concerned. I think the Redskins are very overrated at this point in time. It could change but we're talking about right now as we speak.
0: The Washington football team, they need a nickname. Oh, Uh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All that being said, hey, if it's the worst year, again, if you're going to make mistakes out here, that's a good one to make um but we're going to get a free play from Rob before this segment is done. We'll see if he goes to Buffalo and Washington. Real quick, Rob, when we're talking again, we're doing uh teams right now that are under or in the marketplace. Let's talk about totals. Is there an over yeah. team in the marketplace now that maybe a team that hasn't gone over in their first two games that is primed to cash some over tickets or an under team That has been higher scoring than expected after the first two games, but they're not built to play that way. Uh, Let's look at an over-team and an under-team to talk about moving forward in the NFL.
1: I'll be proactive with this one, Teddy. I think an over-team to look for down the road, maybe even further than just one week or two weeks, but down the road through this NFL season is the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the offense is going to really gel with Joe Burrow and company. And um, the defense showed in the opener against Minnesota that they're still vulnerable. While they played well against the Bears and they played well in stretches against Minnesota, there's points through a 60-minute game where they're still vulnerable. And you need a really good offense and a vulnerable defense at times to create over. So I think the Bengals, as a proactive approach, would be a team that I see as over. And I'll really quickly go ahead and give you a team that I see as an under team at this point in time, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. I just, they, they become pedestrian. I, I think that their defense is better than what has been shown the first couple of weeks. They're obviously one of those umbrella styles, bend but don't break. I would um, proactively think that they are going to be a team that begins to allow more field goals than touchdowns. Maybe not more, but a higher percentage of field goals rather than touchdowns which would lead to under. They're priced pretty high in the totals market right now, um, but I think Indianapolis proactively down the road an under team and the Bengals uh, for the same you know same lookout same forecast proactive forecast. I think they're probably an over team.
0: And Indy stands out to me as an under team as well for a different reason than one you gave. So I want to mention it right here. When it comes to you're grading out the skills and talent, the quick play uh, quick strike big play capability of NFL teams man Indy really lacks playmakers they do they don't get the big play quick strike touchdowns Rob we've got just a few minutes left and I want to get a free play from you but before I do I want to ask you about NFL stats and especially this early in the season I did a whole rant about college football stats uh, on cover it with Teddy Covers yesterday uh, on the college football show with Brian Edwards, we'll talking about our college football stats are both misleading and unusable, and winning bettors can't use college football stats, especially during the season. Is that the same story in the NFL, or do you believe in stats?
1: And if so, what stats do you believe in? Teddy, I'm with you. I think they're very misleading, especially if you're speaking from overall statistics, they're as misleading as it gets. I very rarely use overall defense, and it's true that when somebody says this is the number one defense in football, that may be true, but I'm more apt to go to individual game statistical lines. I need to know all the variables that existed in a game that produced those type of statistics. I need to know what the strength of the opposing offense was, what the weakness of the opposing defense was. In order to make those statistical lines make sense to me, because just throwing a bunch of overall numbers at me, it's useless to me. Um, I've never used them. I probably never will use them. I get so into the weeds with matchup and fundamental analysis that the only way for me to do it the way I know how to do it, handicap these games, is to go into individual statistical lines and know what's behind every single game's worth of statistics. Um, Like I say, overall, especially after two weeks of NFL football, these overall numbers to me are just um, meaningless at this point in time. There's probably a couple that have meaning, Teddy. Obviously, I don't want to throw a complete 100% blanket statement over anything when it comes to sports betting, but you get my gist here. I'm just not one that uses those. Um for any reason whatsoever, I'd rather have individual games and know everything that went on inside that game.
0: Sure, And of course, if you're looking for numbers that you can possibly use to make predictive uh, uh, accurate predictions about the NFL, aggregate yards won't help you. Yards per play on offense, yards per play mm-hmm. on defense, a much better measure than total yards uh, in telling you how good or bad. An offense or defense is Rob. We've got less than two minutes. I need a free play, and I want you to promote yourself. So, uh, use <laughs> go in order.
1: <laughs> How to find my work is real simple. TC, if you want to find me at on Twitter, it's at Rob Vino Sports. If you want to find the content that I produce, um, both video wise, um, game analysis wise, and selection package wise, if you're interested in selection packages, just go to WagerTalk.com. Again, it's a free membership just go there and plug in your email address and you can get access to all the content uh the free content that's available each and every day breaking down of games i'm there monday through friday once again it's wagertalk.com
0: and of course rob vino is someone who's got a pretty good track record when it comes to analysis hearing rob break down a game well you've heard it here on this show if you want more of that visit rob uh, at the website mr vino I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to hang out with me. Always a pleasure. We'll do it again soon.
1: Thanks for having me, Teddy. Appreciate it, buddy. Good luck this weekend. Cover it continues after this. You guys want one more free play?
0: I got a winner for you. Top total Patriots and Saints coming up next. Stretch of cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM XM channel 204, the SportsGrid radio network. If you missed any part of today's show, be sure to check out the podcast version, not just this show. SportsGrid's got a ton of great shows anywhere that you can download podcasts from your favorite podcast outlet. Apple, you know all the drill. Uh, I'm not a podcast guy, so I don't know all the outlets. But I know that this show and many other ones are on them uh, from the Sports Grid Radio Network. So I encourage you, uh, download the shows if you missed any part of it. Let's talk about the New England Patriots and the New Orleans Saints. And I came on this very show, had to be preseason. I said, my number one thought about New England this year is they're going to be a dead nuts under team. Let's look to play the Patriots under when we can. What's happened? Week one, they cashed an under ticket. Week two, they cashed an under ticket. I think 33 is the most points they've scored there. The Saints haven't gotten in the 40s yet either, by the way. Um, but the Patriots are playing out as an under-team though exactly the way they were projected to. It is an excellent defense. Okay, Belichick's not kidding around on the defense side of the football. Offensively, they want to run the ball and let Mac Jones be the game manager. They're not going to take 20 downfield shots. They're not looking for big plays. They're looking for long, extended, seven-minute drives. That end in a field goal. That's your dream scenario for under betters. And the Saints aren't that much different right now. I know Jameis threw five touchdowns in Week 1. But New Orleans, like New England, they may well be better on defense than they are on offense. And when it comes to big play potential, this is a Saints team that has no weapons on the outside right now. <laughs> Alright, none. So, it'll be a lot of dink and dunk for New England. It'll be a lot of dink and dunk for uh, New Orleans. No surprise that we see more field goals than touchdowns in this one. Both teams 2 0 to the under. I expect them both to be 3 0 to the under after Sunday. Look for the Saints and Pats to stay under the total 42 and a half, the prevailing number here in Las Vegas. That's going to wrap it for coverage. We'll do it again next week. Same time, same channel. Until then, good luck. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name.